You are listening to The Interactome, a podcast by a group of young researchers who want to connect you to the world of science by sharing their stories and perspectives. Just in case their bosses are listening, they want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are their own. They also want to remind you not to take anything they say as medical or professional advice, as they are not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Stay tuned about that. And, without further ado, welcome to the Interactome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Interactome. I'm Sam. Uh, I'm going to be kind of running this particular episode. Um, Woo! I... Go, Sam! Woo! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I could explain who I am and why I'm doing that, um, but maybe we should first have the other hosts introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Maya. Um, yeah. <laughs> been a long day for me Maya um, has an experiment running right I do well I just finished it and then I like was on the microscope and I was like boop 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 I gotta finish boop 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 and then now I'm here so I finished on time I'm happy to be here but my brain is like catching up <laughs> so um yes but I'm excited to be here to be on this episode um yes <laughs> and I'm Natalie I'm <laughs> It's okay, Maya. We love you. It's all right. Uh, do you want to do that again? No. Oh. <laughs> Keep I that in. Probably fine. <laughs> Keep this in too. Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm Natalie. I don't work in science. I am a climate tech uh, and communications professional. Yay. Woo. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I'm. Uh, so, like I said, I'm Sam and. I do try to think of the best way to explain this. I, I do kind of some stuff in pharma, uh, biotech stuff. Um, I, uh, until recently, though, was a graduate student studying biochemistry and biophysics. And uh, the important part that makes it relevant to this particular episode is that I have spent a very long time thinking about proteins. So this is the third and final part of our Central Dogma series. We'll get into why proteins are there at some point later. Um, but I think the first thing we should discuss is what are proteins. So I was working at a biotech job and one of my colleagues, who's a very smart person, he's currently med school. Uh, this was, we were working with proteins, but it, he was also pretty funny. He's also a pretty funny guy. And so at one point he just walks into the lab, goes, the only protein I care about is whey protein and just walks out. Um, and so for most people, you know about protein, uh, if you're trying to bulk up muscle mass, um, I... Although you can't see me, I'm not particularly jacked. I have not consumed that much whey, whey protein, but it's still the same stuff. Um, but what you think about with proteins, like dietary protein, is tends to be stuff that your body is breaking down to build proteins of its own. So your muscles are made out of protein, um, as are a lot of other parts of your body that you probably wouldn't think of make, being made of the same part, thing as muscle. Uh, hair, the parts of your eyes that you see, your, the taste receptors on your taste buds, um, and lots and lots and lots of other things. Hmm. But, I thought that uh, this episode was us learning how to get ripped and gains. <laughs> all the gains. Protein, yeah, I don't think protein, you want to learn that one protein, from me. <laughs> I did the wrong kind of preparation for this episode, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. 
Mai's doing deadlifts I, like, I, next I to have, the microscope. In my notes, in my notes, I have a gym regimen. I have like diets. <laughs> hey, I haven't been in the same room as Maya for a long time now. You might be way more ripped than you look on camera right uh, now. Grad school changes <laughs> you. You need to find a hobby that like exercises your brain. And your body in several ways. I mean, a lot of people do work out quite a bit. That's I mean, true. I definitely did work out more in grad school, but I wouldn't call myself ripped. I don't think you want advice from me. <laughs> no, but um, I, I think that's kind of cool how you mentioned that, like, the proteins that we eat. So that would kind of be, like, meats and things like tofu, I'm assuming. Like, you eat those proteins to, like, help build more proteins. And I think that's pretty metal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, protein's also in a lot of. Maya has too. the giggles today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maya has a case of the giggles. Hee <laughs> hee, and I'm living for it. Thank you. So, yeah. So the uh, thing about proteins, like I was saying, they have a lot of different functions. Um, and why proteins are able to do all of this is because of the fact that proteins are made out of more building blocks than the rest of the stuff we've been talking about before. Uh, so when you talk about DNA and RNA, we're talking about four different building blocks. We're talking about nucleotides. Proteins are made out of amino acids, and there are 20-odd amino acids. I think it's 21. But 22. There's one for almost 20 every letter of the alphabet. So like 20, nat- <laughs> 20 natural and God knows how many more. Um, <laughs> synthetic. It's uh, not necessarily synthetic, but your body modifies them quite a bit. Mm. So, But we talk about 20 amino acids, so those are five times as many different options for chemistry than you have with the um, uh, four nucleotides that you have in RNA and DNA. Um, They also have very diverse shapes. So you can have ones that are, uh, so these amino acids, they're ones that are just little chains. They're pretty much have nothing going on. There's other ones that have giant ring structures and things hanging off of them and can serve as places to tack on even larger structures biologically. And what this means is that you can have a bunch of different functions that come from that structure. Those structures can be really, really complicated. So proteins like DNA or RNA are synthesized as chains to begin with. So just kind of stick one thing to another to another, uh, you know, like stacking building blocks or stringing beads on a chain, I guess. Like you really just have an... Uh, ordered set of things but very quickly something else happens and that's what we've referred to as protein folding um and so protein folding makes these complex three-dimensional structures and structure defines function so you can imagine that the same proteins that your body uses to make muscles are going to be look very very different from the ones that say allow you to see and uh you know structure defines function um you wouldn't try to write a letter with a doorknob or a dump truck um, and that's kind of the same rules apply biologically. Some proteins are really, really big, and some are really, really small. Some are relatively inert. They don't really do very much. They just form structures, where others contain uh, very complicated assemblies. They can do things like spin like rotors or move like levers. or um, Some of them even just kind of walk. They're actually quite funny looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that all these structures can happen from these 20 amino acids is this thing called protein folding and that happens of its own accord um (laughs) we we think for the most part um sometimes sometimes most (laughs) of the time and there's actually was this grand debate the second that was mentioned because like 
most things in biochemistry or biology in general. The second somebody opens their mouth and suggests something major, someone else wants to fight them. <laughs> so the guy... Classic. <laughs> I've been in the room for some of these. Um, not quite that major, but people have very strong opinions and will duke them out. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. The guy who uh, proposed that protein structure comes purely from its sequence, so purely those order of amino acids on that chain, a guy named Christian Anfinson, who proposed that protein structure is dictated by sequence alone. And so this means that that sequence of amino acids linked together, which we call a polypeptide, um, which is funny, you'd think you'd call it a polyamino acid or something, but uh, we call it a polypeptide because of the bonds between them. They're peptide bonds. Um, anyway, he proposed that a polypeptide should be able to fold itself into the structure it's supposed to occupy with no help. And that is great. Um, and a lot of times you can see that in a test tube. So you can take a protein that's already folded. You get it from nature. You put it in some chemicals that make it unfold. And you take it out of that environment. And a lot of times it'll just pop right back. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And it's like it's, it's reversible. Yeah. It's also <laughs> such an important evolutionary tool that proteins have, right? Think of how often, if our proteins were, say, really sensitive to temperature, right? Mm, and we couldn't. But they are. Oh, am I? Am I giving? Oh, but they are. Am I <laughs> Sam's. Sam literally just got the biggest grin as soon as I said that. So <laughs> I. I'm gonna take a step back. It sounds no. like he has. Something oh, no, I think planned. you made a point because um, the last oh, episode yeah. we talked a lot about primordial soup and how like conditions mm. were like crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> it could it could be related to that. <laughs> Some proteins, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later because they're wild, um, actually won't unfold even if you essentially throw them in an oven or boil them. And other proteins will fall apart of their own accord just because they're sitting there. Uh, and if you heat that up, they'll do that more. Oh, I have a fun fact about a really stable protein. Ooh. Oh, so um, someone in my lab um, studied the protein SOD1 um and while she was doing like her like review of the literature um you know to like write the introduction of like the thesis and the paper and everything um she and my pi came across this paper that said that they were able to isolate a sod one protein from a mummy that like people found that was just Whoa. like you know being dead for like lots of years um and so they were able to isolate like the sod one protein from this mummy and then kind of like you know like recall like pamper it a little bit like put it in some buffer and it's still catalytically active so these guys wow. can be pretty stable <laughs> yeah and what's wild is like yeah i work with some things that are very stable too so typically when you talk about like biotherapeutics you know drugs that have proteins in them uh you want them to be very stable um the wild thing, though, is when I say, oh, they are sensitive to heat, is so what I did in grad school was I studied what are called chaperone proteins. And chaperone proteins are proteins that help other proteins fold. And so Anfinson goes and says, hey, these proteins can fold of their own accord, and then your body has all these really essential proteins that their entire job is to help other proteins fold. And you kind of go, what's up with that? And part of it is um, it's a protein in a test tube is not a protein in a cell. And yeah, it's a bit like if you were trying to, like, solve a math problem by yourself in a nice quiet room. 
or if you're trying to solve it in a kindergarten next to a construction site while a police car goes by. <laughs> you know, it's loud, it's chaotic. It's not loud, but it's chaotic, It also yeah. goes to say, too, that, like, the con- conditions in a lab are are very rarely, if ever, the actual conditions that a biological process or a chemical process, etc., will have to take place, just because there are so many unknown mm-hmm. factors. Um I just wanted to add that to Yeah, that. this is a the source of a lot of heated debates in the science community. Like what's the best like way to study something? What's like a good model system? Does it actually recapitulate the biological process in the environment that it's taking in? You're absolutely right, Natalie. And uh, the way we you can sometimes test that in a lab is just making the environment more viscous. You just put in goop. Goop. And <laughs> really? Yeah, you just put in glycerol, mm, which goop. is like found in a lot of like cosmetics and things anything that needs to be kind of goopy why goop it because it crowds the environment makes it like a cell so you know rna soup protein goop i'm sensing Mm -hmm. a theme here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) we are simply goop (laughs) and one of the hypotheses so one of the hypotheses for why chaperones uh are important is just so the proteins themselves don't become goop Mm. um so I do like proteins. how they're called chaperone proteins. Sorry, as a side, like maybe to oh, make yeah. it clear, it's like, you know how like chaperones are, like to go back to your kindergarten analogy, like, <laughs> you know, like you have a parent chaperone that like makes sure like all the kids are like behaving, that kind of thing. I guess like analogous to what happens in cells, the chaperones are like the parents, like making sure the little kindergarten proteins are like folding and quote unquote behaving. Okay. Yeah, that that's that's great. That's a great analogy. Um, I love that. The one kind of macabre problem with that analogy mm. is a lot of chaperones also send proteins to the garbage disposal. Sometimes there's tough love out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, protein parenting. I I don't this question parenting, parenting styles. <laughs> well, it's like. Uh, Proteins, you just grind up apart and make new ones again. I mean, your body started with grind up protein anyway, or broken up amino acids anyway. So if you have a misbehaving um, child or protein, you bang it. Garbage, 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 garbage. Let that be a lesson to you, children. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting this to go into me being like, well, it's actually shredding. I'm like, oh, yeah, sh- yeah, we're just going to just leave it there. Mm. Not really shredding, but they'll take things apart. There's proteases. It's funny. Uh... Proteins are helped and disposed of by other proteins is great. Um, it's proteins all the way down. So now we've talked about what, how proteins, what proteins are. I guess it's like, where does this thing that needs to fold come from? Um, and yeah, so we can, we can back up to that. And frankly, that's less my area of expertise. I think y'all probably studied more molecular biology than I did. Uh, I tend to start with a protein go, what does it do? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, no, I feel like yeah. you you touched on all the right parts. Like, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like the the central dogma that we've been referring to is kind of this like, how do you describe it? Like a quote unquote like canonical process for how um, proteins are made in the cell and how information is conveyed through like different um, molecules um, to like produce the proteins, um, which we know as Sam described. Um, have a lot of different structures and therefore functions and carry out a lot of like the important things that the cell needs to do, whether that be like, you know, like muscle cells doing their thing or proteins in like your cells in your eyeballs that can let you see. Um, So 
Um, we talked about this in a few other episodes, but um, to kind of like breeze over the first couple of parts of the central dogma, um, all of our genetic information is stored in DNA. Um, and this information is transcribed um, into RNA, um, which is kind of acting as our messenger molecule. So it's kind of like the go-between of like the DNA and the end result, which is the proteins. Um, so the RNA molecules have um, kind of like a copy of the genetic information that's stored in the DNA. And this genetic information is instructions for how to make a protein. Um, so the, um, instructions for the proteins are basically, um, these three, um, nucleotide sequences called codons. Um, so you can find those on the RNA in like discrete, like three, um, nucleotide or letter chunks. Um, and they're called codons, which I think is kind of cute because they're like part of the genetic code. So each codon corresponds, um, to one amino acid. So like one of the little bits of the protein that Sam mentioned earlier um, that can be kind of like put together. They have like different shapes of their own and this allows like a lot of different combinations for chemistry um, in the protein backbones and for the proteins to like fold and adopt their shapes. Um, yeah, so the RNAs have the um, information for the codons, which correspond to the um, amino acids that make the proteins. Um, and basically, the um, RNAs are specifically, in this case, messenger RNAs. Um, we talk a lot about several different kinds of RNAs that exist in the cell in our very fun RNA episode, um, the one right before this one. Um, but basically, the messenger RNAs um, are kind of fed into these little protein-making machines called ribosomes. Um, and they're kind of fun. Like, structurally, they look like little, like, mushrooms almost like little little balls that like sit on either end of like the mRNA and just kind of like chomp on them if you can like kind of picture that um and basically they catalyze a reaction in which um the mRNA codon is matched with another kind of tRNA uh with another kind of RNA molecule called a tRNA or transfer RNA um, and this tRNA has the specific amino acid that corresponds to the amino um, that corresponds to the codon on the mRNA um, attached to it. So the ribosome kind of like facilitates this matching up um, of the mRNAs and the tRNAs with the amino acids um, attached to them. And then um, as like the ribosome is kind of like reading this like long string of mRNA that has all sorts of different codons, um, different tRNAs with different amino acids attached to them are also coming in and like docking on the ribosome. Um, and this is where also all of that chemistry that Sam mentioned um, happens um, as like these different amino acids are getting kind of like linked and catalyzed um, together to form kind of like the first um, kind of like preliminary, if that's a word, um, primary is a better word, um, structure of the protein. Um, so that part is called translation. So the mRNA is being translated into a protein. So the ribosome is just like zoom, 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 like moving along the mRNA, translating it into a polypeptide um, chain, which is the primary form of a protein. Um, and then a bunch of spicy things have to happens after that, where like folding and like chaperones can come in, um, so that the proteins can adopt their proper structure. 
Molecular Bio 101. <laughs> so the thing that's always amazed me about ribosomes, though, is they're not proteins. They're right? made up of a bunch of little proteins and RNA. They're both. Okay. Yes. The Because uh, I, I just know about like the ribosomal RNA. They yes. Refer to it, right? Oh, yeah. That one is really important, too. Yeah. And so like... That kind of goes back to your soup. Yes. Your or your primordial soup. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it said it was proteins all the way down. That was not entirely true. The part the thing that makes proteins is not kind of entirely, right? Yeah, it's like both RNA and protein. And it has interesting evolutionary kind of like hypotheses surrounding like why is there ribosomal RNA in there? Um, mixed together with the proteins because um, people think that the ribosomal RNA has catalytic properties um, which catalyzes the um, peptide bond the amino acid like chain linking together do they think it came first that's the that's the debate <laughs> all right mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah so that that's a very thorough <laughs> recap of how uh translation happens that was way better than i could have done um considering the fact that the first my first task in undergrad was describing the uh, tra- transcription and translation and i wrote the wrong one for each um no, they're very sorry, similar party. words honest yeah honest mistake <laughs> so if you're confused don't worry i have been too <laughs> it was great because i was in like the like oh it was like the i'd, I'd taken an advanced science class in high school so they were like oh yeah you can skip to this one and so like my first act in the advanced biology class in undergrad was to completely confuse those two words um i my professor made me rewrite the whole thing it was great um <laughs> she's kind of old school but uh I just know because um, I just know some stuff about translation because my very first lab was a translation lab. So I had to know it or else face (laughs) the consequences. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's. So we, we kind of going back to the folding thing. So you're saying like, oh, yeah, we have this primary structure. um, And another thing a professor had me was not confuse that with primary sequence um so i will never ever call it primary sequence because that is a pet peeve of someone who i took a couple classes with um but the uh so that folding question um which is a thing that's going to get harped on over and over again because that's all protein biochemists care about at the end of the day i mean we we care about other things but the folding is what have we have? What uh, protein biochemistry is focused on since its inception um, is what that fold looks like, and how does that influence things? Um, going back to Amphenson's whole, oh yeah, the, the structure, the sequence is all that matters. Um, so Google recently, in the past like three, four years, made an AI called AlphaFold, um, and unlike the image generation ais that you ask them to like hey like you know i want a picture of a duck and it makes a duck with three heads or whatever because it doesn't quite have it <laughs> alpha fold <laughs> alpha fold you ask it hey here's a protein structure I mean, protein sequence give me the structure and it can actually do it and this was not something that was a given um it was a something that when i started undergrad which was not that long ago um it was uh kind of a dream like oh you know maybe we could possibly do that maybe Amphenson's right um and google went ahead and demonstrated that to the point where now a lot of people will throw things into alpha fold to start <laughs> trying to get uh 
kind of a, a picture of how things happen. And Alpha Fold is very cool. And might I say, like, um, like a lot of people like to joke that it threatens like the livelihood of every structural biologist because like a lot of people like spend time like trying to figure out structures of like proteins of interest, like the things that they're studying. But then now that we have Alpha Fold and we can just like boop boop put in a protein sequence and it like makes a in some cases, like a pretty highly co- high confidence um, guess of like what the structure looks like. It's like, oh, you know, well, like, do I even need to like try to solve the structure of this protein on my own when AlphaFold can do it? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But it's a certainly no, very useful tool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like those ways of getting structure take time. Mm-hmm. I've actually never i don't know if you've had to do it maya i'm currently doing it oh fun (laughs) so i've never actually had to do it so maybe you could talk about i mean yeah there's a few different methods for getting structures so um maya do you want to talk about what you're trying to do yeah yeah so um i yeah so basically um in my thesis project right now i'm a grad student i am dabbling in some protein biochemistry myself um having a lot of fun learning a lot of things that we're mentioning in this episode um, but basically, I'm trying to get a structure of a protein complex um, that is unusual. Um, so no one has ever kind of like defined it before. Um, and we're trying to figure out a structure so that we can better kind of uh, like Sam was saying all along, figure out the function of this protein um, complex and better understand what it might be doing. Um, so... To do this, um, we're using um, a few structural methods. Um, so the protein structure that I'm studying is called the proteasome. So it's like actually one of those <laughs> um, proteins that we were talking about earlier that like does the degrading of like the garbage bad kid proteins um, that we <laughs> were bad speaking about protein. earlier. But um, yeah, my thesis is on that um, garbage can machine, the proteasome that does all of the degrading. Um, and specifically, we're interested in um, uh, interactors of the proteasome, so other proteins that can combine to like the proteasome kind of like trash can and um, change how it might behave. So if you imagine like the proteasome is like, um, it's kind of like exactly shaped like a can, so like a garbage can, I suppose, <laughs> but it's shaped like that um, and it can have proteins that sit on either side of the can. Um, that kind of regulate what proteins go inside the trash can and get degraded. Um, so I'm interested in studying one of those interactors um, that's understudied and like people don't really know what's going on. Um, as an interesting side note, it um, this interactor is heavily upregulated in meiosis, which is what um, which is the biological process that my lab studies. So it has some kind of um, like physiological slash developmental implication. Um, we just need to like work on it a little bit more. Um, but anyways, we're interested in um, kind of solving those little proteasome, um, different interactor um, structures. Um, but this is kind of hard because the proteasome is like really big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a very large protein complex Um it's made ah. up of, I think around, um, there's, there's at least like, no, I should like cut this out because I should know this, but, um, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I was fine. like, oh no, professor, please listen to me. But, well, um, <laughs> well, Maya, Maya, 
Things are dynamic in some These are di- things are very dynamic. So whatever number you say, it's probably going to be wrong. <laughs> and, and, you know, people could always prove me wrong later. Discover more, discover less. Oh, I'm going to say there is no one number is what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay, perfect. But um, it's made up of several proteins um, and it's really big. Um, so you could imagine that if you have like one really cute little tiny protein, um, it's easy to kind of like know what it looks like, but when you have a protein or depending, depending on like what it, what it is, um, we can get more into that later. But if you have like a whole complex, that's like really complicated <laughs> that has a bunch Would of proteins, it's, in it, it's very complex. Exactly. Um, it can be a little hard to do that. Um, so we're using a structural method called cryo-EM, um, which is all the rage recently in structural yeah. biology. Back in the old days, and people still do, still do this for some um, proteins, but um, they used to crystallize proteins. So they would purify them um, from like cells or plants or like whatever source mm-hmm. um, you get them from. Um, and they would like like kind of like work away day and night to find these like optimal crystallizing conditions that like the protein that you're studying would like make these like fun little crystals um and then you would take that to like um the x-ray crystallography room and then you would like (laughs) bombard it with like x-rays um and the cool thing about that because like you might be like okay we have like a crystal and like what are the x-rays doing like how do you get the structure of like your protein from that um there's like a lot of crazy like math and biophysics that goes on and like sam you could probably you probably know more about this than i do but basically like from what i know like the x-rays kind of like hit this crystal and then like they diffract in like crazy patterns and then like a computer kind of like gets all of the information on how the x-rays are diffracting after they're like hitting the crystal that you like worked so hard to get um and then some like math happens and then and then like and then math happens and then you can like take that diffraction pattern and like match it up to like a structure (laughs) yeah so i think maybe we should back up a second and go why can't you just look at them under a microscope and Mm, true 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 and and so first off you can kind of so cryo em which maya mentioned is short for cryo electron microscopy um but you'll notice that there's that electron there and that's a huge difference you're not going to stick an electron microscope in like a kid's science kit at least not currently although i no. do know someone who tried to was, he had a scheme to build one of an old tv it's a whole thing but anyway but those those the, microscopes are expensive they are and why are yes. they well, I actually don't know whether it's super expensive, but I mean, in general, we should. Or how are we they? Could back up. A, so a, a light microscope works with light, the visible light around us, right? And this is a wild thing to get into, but essentially, you see things because light is either bouncing off of them or being reflect, refracted or reflected, or any number of things can happen to a wave of light, and provided it makes a change that your eyes can perceive then you know a thing is there. The thing about that is it has to be big enough for light to interact with it. So there's a rule with microscopy, which I think is like you can only see things that are larger than half of a wavelength of light. So light is weird. We don't need to go too deep into it. I'm not an expert on it. We could get a physicist in here and really explain it. But light travels in waves 
And those waves have a wavelength. So just like if you have a, a wave on the ocean, there's a peak and a trough, and you can kind of say, oh, you know, there's this much of a distance between them. And the wavelength of light is in the hundreds of nanometers range, the light that we use to see as humans. Um, and proteins are usually in the tens of nanometers of size at most. Um, those and what tiny this means... Those tiny guys. <laughs> they're literally... Yeah, they're, they're so tiny. Which means that anything smaller than, like, a bacterium is actually too small to see with light. It won't interact with light the way we like things to, in order for us to be able to see them. And so what instead happens is we have to hit them with something that has a shorter wavelength, or and which corresponds to higher energy. So you're essentially building a super powerful ray gun. <laughs> really, it shoots electrons. It's an electron cannon. And you shoot it at a thing and you have a very sensitive detector that says, hey, here's an electron, here's not. The thing is, you can't necessarily measure with the resolution of needing, like, seeing where each electron goes. So the best trick to get that to work is make a crystal out of it. And what a crystal is, is it's just a repeating pattern. So instead of taking a picture of one protein, you're taking a picture of thousands or millions or however many proteins all stuck together in a repeating pattern, like a, you know, a an M.C. Escher painting or a, a tiled floor or whatever. It's the same pattern repeating over and over and over again, getting hit by an elect uh, by a gun of electrons and they're scattering the same pattern. The thing is, proteins on their own also don't form crystals, typically. Most proteins. There are exceptions to this. But you need to trick the proteins into forming a crystal that is regular enough that you can shoot an electron at it and it will scatter consistently. And there's like different amounts of luck that come into this. So you get different resolutions, which means you get a blurrier or a better picture of a protein. That takes months because it's a lot of like, we're just literally there's people who want to crystallize proteins. Usually we'll just put a bunch of little tiny containers and put a bunch of different stuff in them, shove them in a room and hope you get crystals. <laughs> Yeah, it's like um like to maybe put it in like a like perspective like if you're like if you've ever kind of like tried to make rock candy as a kid, it's like kind of like that but like with like 20 times 100 times harder. <laughs> no guarantees and it's just a lot of throwing stuff at the wall. Mm -hmm. I worked next door to a former crystallography lab. I've worked near them and they have the randomest chemicals cuz it's just throw things at it and hope it works. Um and this, so this means it'll take like months and months to get a single crystal and then that crystal is super precious and you don't want anything to happen to it. But there's another trick you can do to get the same structure over and over again, or at least keep proteins from wiggling because they do this. And so the crystal keeps things from wiggling for the most part. You can also just make them very cold. If you make something cold enough, it stops moving. If you make me cold enough, I'll stop moving too. <laughs> <laughs> so the... Um, that, so there's this trick of just making it really, really cold and then shooting with a beam of electrons again. But this time we're doing what's called electron microscopy, which is usually better for bigger stuff like circuit boards or, uh, you know, the surface of an insect or a, a bacterial cell. A cell, for example, is big enough to take pictures. Cells have millions of proteins in them. Way bigger. Um, the trick with cryo-electron microscopy or cryo-EM is you just take a bunch of pictures and then you have a computer average them and that makes it less blurry. So that's also neato if you're doing what Maya is doing, where you have these big complexes, because big complexes don't love to make crystals and repeat themselves competently, or even be the same over and over again. Hmm. 
And so you could have a computer go, this one's like that, this one's a little different, and at least that's my understanding. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I have to graduate one day. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I can't I can't be trying every combination of chemicals and conditions. And um the lab that I'm I'm actually collaborating with a lab on this project to try to get the the structure of the big proteasome complex um, that I mentioned, um, and they, they've gotten it figured out nicely, which is good for me. Not like the crystallization um, conditions, but like kind of like the workup to cryo-EM and like what to look for um, once you perform the cryo-EM. Yeah, and there's other weirder ways of getting structure too. So um, you could also shoot things with x-rays and not freeze them and not make them into crystals. So I actually was kind of in a lab that did that for a little bit. Um, but you also do that to determine how much how wiggly things are. You can also do something called NMR, which is nuclear magnetic resonance, um, which is not involving radiation. It's just involving giant magnets, and you make things spin a certain way, and then you make them spin another way. And I somehow, by determining the change in the spinniness and things that give off radio waves, um, you can get structures. I it's bonkers. All these things get really, really weird very quickly. The funny thing about NMR is it's also what we call an MRI. We just, when you go to get an MRI scan of your body, if you have like a, an injury or an illness or something, it's nuclear magnetic resonance imaging. They just knock the nuclear off so people wouldn't get scared of it. Nuclear in this case refers to the nucleus of an atom, not the nucleus of a cell and not <laughs> nuclear radiation, like that sort of thing. Good it's, distinction it's own, to make. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different things that have the word nuclear in them. Um, uh, yeah, your nuclear family is also not radioactive. Mm, let's hope that. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> you never know. That's, anyway. Um. No, lots of cool ways to determine structure. And, um, you know, it's great that we have AlphaFold now that can help us with a lot of that. I think the cool thing about proteins, too, is that, like, what we've learned from this episode is people will dedicate their entire careers to studying one protein because mm. they are so complex sam's covering his face right now he's getting <laughs> flashbacks oh uh, boy what i decided not to do <laughs> yeah exactly you what could. you decided not to do mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it's very cool they're very cool i very much respect people doing that i d- depend on people doing that yeah um, and there are whole I- fields about like individual proteins are i think there's oh, yeah. like whole conferences about like specific proteins which is like kind of funny <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah I just want to touch on something too that Maya brought up at um I think towards the middle of the episode you mentioned upregulation. um mm. I think that's one really valuable uh part of just I don't know if you can call it like the protein life cycle or protein like mm. existence mm-hmm. but when proteins are existing in an environment in a cell certain conditions call for more of that protein or less of that protein. And the cell has the ability with, you know, signaling and all that stuff to be able to, oh, we don't need that much of that protein anymore. Oh, we do need more of that protein and kind of adjust on the fly, which adds kind of another layer to that complexity. Yeah, you're totally right. And like to to kind of like tie it all together, like the way that like like, for example, like if a cell is like, oh, my God, I need like more of this protein at this time, um, the whole central dogma or maybe parts of it can kick in and contribute to like the production of more of that protein. Um, and then like maybe if you need even less, like you were saying, um, the protein can get like degraded and shredded up or um, there can also be layers of regulation that happen to 
parts of the central dogma that make them like not as fast or efficient. Um, therefore, kind of like putting a damper on like the protein production. Yeah, as it's well. like a yellow yeah. light almost. Yeah, yellow light is like, whoa, yeah. whoa. So that is, that's all like very exciting. And it's really cool how like the cell has all of these kind of like ways to do that and adapt to like different situations like you were saying. And the fun part too is these regulations, these li- the red light, green light, yellow light is also proteins, DNA, and RNA. Mm-hmm. It's all made out of that stuff for the most part. And there, there are sugars and fats that come into this too. Uh, primarily more sugars um, that are like, those are other macromolecules and they do other things. They're not just things that go into a good cookie. Um, they're molecules that have their own functions and things that are in the court too. Um, but like, you know, you have these, like upregulation could be, hey, there's this protein that noticed a thing and that is going to bonk into something, another protein that's going to change something about DNA and then that's going to make different RNA or change what RNA is sticking around and all these other things and it's very, very complicated but it's kind of a, a lot of the players are the things that are also being regulated which can lead to these terrifying yeah. diagrams. So <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now, you should know that your proteins and your DNA and your RNA are all doing great jobs. So much hopefully. can go wrong. Hopefully, knock on wood. And they're and hopefully they will continue to do great jobs. But it's kind of like honestly like when I think about it, it's like kind of a miracle that like it any is. of us are like alive and like functioning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's so many things that could go wrong that and like the more wrong, you study seriously. biology it's like oh <laughs> so many things can happen and so, you know listeners yeah. don't get you know anxious about that right our Sorry. body has a bunch of checkpoints um to make sure that that stuff doesn't happen and then even sam's trying to whisper what is it i'm nervous if you do get anxious that's also proteins <laughs> no, true. true there's no escaping Sorry. <laughs> this All is good. very dumb. There's no escape. <laughs> There's no escape. No, but yeah, proteins can really do so much of everything and they have so many cool shapes. Um one thing that I wanted to mention is that um and maybe this is like a tool that you've seen before, Sam, probably definitely, but there's a website called the Protein Database, um, or PDB for short, um, where people deposit like the structures they've solved um, after, you know, long nights in the lab or at the microscope, that kind of thing. But it's a repository for all sorts of protein structures that labs have worked on. Um, And it's like kind of cool to just kind of like click through it. Um, So something very cute that they do is that they have a molecule of the month. So I think like a favorite structure gets voted. into being like the molecule of the month and then i think like towards the end of the year it's so cute and towards the end of the year i think they like have put together calendars of all of the molecules of the month um so you can like look at this on the protein database but there's a lot of proteins that have really neat structures like donuts so they have like holes in the middle maybe to like let things through or like attach to something um a lot of proteins have like really cool symmetries or symmetrical properties so like if you've ever done that thing, like when you're a kid where you like paint on one half of a paper and then you like fold it over and then it makes like a cool kind like of like a Rorschach art. Kind of yeah, looks. Yeah. yeah. So there's like a bunch of proteins that have like interesting symmetries going on. Um, and then you can even look at like what viruses look like and all like their different proteins and things like that. Um, is that something... 3D printed, Sam? Ooh. Yeah, it's a 3D. <laughs> it, it is It is a structure from the PDB that I convince the people oh, working nice. for so Sam has his very own molecule special special molecule why don't you describe it for the fans 
I mean, I don't know how much work wants me going into everything on this podcast, but it's a it's a structure of a protein complex that I work with. Um, I'll I'll leave it at that. Mm. Um, and it kind of looks it, like something you throw in your laundry to get rid of like lint. It does. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, does. it does. A lot of protein things look like that too. But it's, it's really nice. The protein database now has a little thing you could like click a little button and it'll download a 3D printer file for you. Oh, that's so, really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so fun. If you want one on your desk, if you happen to know someone with a printer, if you happen to work somewhere that happens to have them, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very cool. Uh, yeah. I had like stuck away to grab that. It's not actually it was a visual <laughs> gag on an audio medium. It's really cute. It's just like a. Like, We're technically listen. recording Zoom right now too. <laughs> we could yeah, we could just like see that. redacted. <laughs> redacted. No, but you can imagine that Sam is holding a very adorable palm sized protein that looks like it could be a dryer ball, maybe. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's life. One of my and. Uh, as we're coming up on, you know, the end of the episode, this is one of when I learned about what we're going to talk about next. It I'm like still obsessed with them to this day. Protein folding can go very, very wrong. Yeah. And if it goes wrong, there are different agents that can cause it to go wrong. I'll open the floor. Um, but we're about to talk about one of my favorite things in biology ever. I'm glad. It's one of my favorite things, too. It's the protein <laughs> fold that kills you. <laughs> Yay! <And> so, <laughs> well, we could back up and talk about, like, Maya was talking about the proteasome. Why do you want to get rid of old proteins? There's a lot of different reasons for that. Sometimes they just don't work well anymore. Um, but a buildup of junk in cells is not good. Um, I was actually doing some random Googling recently, and that's, like, why asbestos is not good for you? It's just buildup <laughs> of junk. It just happens to be kind of like glass, but it can also happen with proteins. Um, and so proteins like to form these nice symmetrical structures sometimes. And sometimes proteins go wrong and they still form a nice symmetrical structure. And sometimes that structure um, is very, very, very stable. Um, so one lab that I'm familiar with uh like that lab I was talking about that did some funky stuff with x-rays, they'd shoot x-rays from like brain samples. They'd like shoot x-rays at like brain samples of things of people who may have in life had, uh, you know, uh, this sort of disease. And why this kills you is still a matter of debate, but we call this, these, this badly folded protein that forms this big complicated structure. We call that a prion. Um, I think it's prion. One of them is a bird. Prion and prion. Mm, there's when prion. you Google prion or prion, both both like the protein fold that kills you come up, and also like some species of bird in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> I've always pronounced it and heard it as prion. Me too, but yeah. I think both are acceptable. Maybe debate. <laughs> this is another one of those. We we really need Lauren on here to really like assert something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh. Yeah, it's pretty much just the protein fold that kills you. Because it's like though. cl it's like really like goopy, well for lack of a better word, like like aggregating and like sticky and just like messes up with like stuff that's happening in the cell, right? Yeah, and why that matters is a little bit puzzling. Okay. You'd think that if you have a bunch of junk somewhere that's not supposed to be junk, it's not going to be good. This is a source of 
fierce debate. <laughs> I have seen people get into heated arguments about not nonprofits that you probably think are wonderful. I have seen, I have like opened my mouth and said I worked on one thing, and people like all the eyes in the room turned to me like, I swear, I have no words in this place. They're like, like why are you offensive? <laughs> so. I'm not going to open that can of worms any more than we already have. But um, there are a few diseases that we know are prion-mediated, like it happens because of a prion. Um, the one that is most well-known is referred to as Creutzfeldt-Jacobs disease, uh, which is the proper name for what people call mad cow, um, which is an a infectious prion typically obtained from poorly handled meat. If there's like, usually I think brain material, it will eventually clog up your brain with garbage and you don't. Yeah. You, it's, yeah. I think the reason why good. they called it like mad cow is because since like the prion um, of like the protein that's responsible in the disease is like, like you're saying, like aggregating and like clumping up like in the cow's brain then it causes behavioral changes in the cow. So, like, people are like, oh, like, my cow is, like, angry and, like, aggressive and it's, like, not behaving normally. Um, and it's because of that prion. And then, um, and like you're saying, when, like, the meat is, like, improperly handled, like, maybe some some bit of the brain ends up in your burger meat, then um, there's a chance it could be passed to you after you ingest it, which is kind of crazy because, like, it survived kind of, like, being outside of like the cow's environment and then it's like kind of like in the meat environment and like the processing environment and now it's in like the person environment you can't cook it out you can't even necessarily autoclave it out unless you're really really thorough so autoclaves are like the industrial sterilization equipment used in hospitals and labs and there are very specific settings you need to use to kill prions. So scary. For, you need <laughs> to heat scary. it up very, very hot for a very long time. Uh, and it's terrifying. Um, on the other hand, it's not the sort of thing you'll get from someone sneezing on you. It's also fairly well controlled because people know this will happen. There is currently a prion disease, I think, bouncing around in deer populations in the U.S. currently. I want to say. Mm, um, didn't know that. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah, I don't think it actually infects humans. I haven't heard anything about that. Mm. Something like chronic wasting disease or something it's called. I forget what it is. But Oh, do um, we know why it can't infect people? I don't think we know that for mm, sure. Interesting. I just haven't heard of human cases. I have not been following this very closely. Yeah, because I, I um, never knew about like the like mad cow disease. Like if it was like rather that particular prion was just like very very infectious or maybe it was like similar to like something that you would find in people i'm not sure if that's known but there's like no cure right so oh yeah there Sorry. is no cure um yeah i remember being really i think this like happened like when we were growing up like we were elementary school kids like this was like all in the news and i remember being very sad about like not being able to go eat burgers with my family oh yeah <laughs> I, I was afraid of yeah. burgers for a hot second yeah. as a child um but i don't think there have been many outbreaks the other terrifying thing is it takes a long time for it to happen but again <laughs> people are very aware of this as it was an issue in like the UK in the early 2000s. But even then, I don't think it was super widespread. 
it's one of those things that's relatively hard to get but particularly terrifying and so it captures people's imaginations Mm. and anxieties um but there are more common potentially prion related diseases so we think that alzheimer's and parkinson's may be prion related I say this, and if this ends up in certain circles that I've been in before, I'm going to have people yelling at me on whatever social network they find me on. Is it May? Hey, (laughs) I feel like like the wording... Yeah, I feel like the the, um, neuro-aggregate people are very, like, strict about the wording, so I've only ever heard it be described as aggregates, but... (laughs) They are repeating patterns of protein misfolded proteins there are probably non-pathogenic versions too which is mm-hmm. weird yeah so there that's why i thought like what the what helps distinguish prions from like other types of protein aggregates is that they, they can kind of like impose the misfolding on other proteins i don't think we know for mm. sure where that line is, mm. which is part of why, like, Interesting. brain surgery involves a lot of sterilization stuff, as <laughs> I understand. Um, and so, like, there's a lot of, like, care taken to try to prevent these sorts of things mm. from being transmitted between people in a hospital environment, too, just because we don't have a great grasp on exactly where that line is. And not to mention, there are transmissible ones. And so, yeah, if yeah. you're in a environment where you want to maintain sterility and safety and things like that you just kind of assume that it's there you act like it's there and treat Mm. it like you have to to get rid of it which is the Um, the smart move i think always good to be careful (laughs) kind of like covid right you act as though it's there if you're if you're working in an environment where you're worried about infectious disease or potential risks you always act like it's there and then take the steps to get rid of it even though it's probably not um and that's you know a great way to try to ensure safety because if you act like it's not there and it is well then you're in trouble uh cool but definitely very interesting and i think merits a lot of future study uh, it's like what are what are they doing and how like it's so like we don't know it's so interesting <laughs> so yeah. we need to know <laughs> there are so many problems out there like that <laughs> um yeah if we want to wrap up i mean it might be fun to mention some of our favorite proteins um i don't have any none come to mind i panic none prions come to mind for me because Ah! they're so cool but i don't i was like before this i was frantically googling cool proteins but i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna say this is real this is me nothing comes to mind it's your favorite protein whey protein (laughs) honestly yeah Let's go with it. Shout out to the guy at the beginning of this story. That's what I'll go with. All right. I'm just getting that disappointment out of the way. <laughs> uh, I really hope that your friend, the, the whey protein guy that went to med school, I really hope he becomes like kind of like a nutrition doctor or like muscle doctor or like that kind of thing. That would be doctor. iconic. <laughs> I feel like he's going for something way like... I forget what he's going for. I, I I don't think I think it's like some like hardcore like surgical or something shit. Mm. You know, like he he's he's a bright dude. He's also just got a great sense of humor. Um, <laughs> yeah, love it. 
Yeah, I think I already talked about, well, I talked about the proteins that I study, um, so I'm kind of biased there. Um, the one that I'm most interested, it looks like a little party hat. It's like a cone um, that sits on the end of the proteasome, like kind of like trash can surface. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like what that little hat the proteasome wears is like, is like what is its function, what is it doing, and how is it it's affecting the rest of the proteasome. Um, but I also want to mention um, another cool protein that I learned about was at a conference last year, um, and I can't remember the specifics about it. Um, I think it was like a protein from a virus, um, but the reason why I liked it is that um, they solved a structure for it, and it looks like a scrunchie with like little beads on it. So it just like looked really cute. And then um, I really liked it because I had a scrunchie at home that looked exactly like it. So very adorable scrunchie protein. I love protein. that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I think my favorite protein is honestly, I think the first one I ever learned about in like freshman year high school biology class. Oh, you never forget um, the first. <laughs> you never forget the first. Yeah. Um, and that's a protein called ATP synthase. So... Are we have these energy molecules in our cells that we talked about a lot in the mitochondria episode. Um, and I think this protein even came up there, but it just looks like a little rotor. It's cool because it looks like a rotor or a turbine, like you'd find in like a, like a hydroelectric power plant or something. And it looks like that because that's pretty much what it is. And it's really wild that we have these structures in our cells that look like machines that people build. Um, and so ATP synthase will always be like my favorite. Maybe mm-hmm. I can see if I get some print me one of those. Yeah, Maybe it'll spin around. It's it goes burr. No, no, no. I, I feel like um, yeah. if you look up a YouTube video of ATP synthase, it's very hypnotic watching it. It's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time. It's just like turning <laughs> like, and turning and turning. <laughs> just churning out ATP all the time. Mm-hmm. Your whole life, just your bunch whole life. of jillions of those your in your life. in your in your body, just churning out that. And uh, <laughs> cool. I don't know. It's pretty. Yay! Uh, but listeners, you too can find your favorite proteins. Um, feel free to check out the protein databases or PDB's vast collection of fun structures. Um, or feel free to Google into more of the wonderful world of prions. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> There's probably some less nightmarish ones on the PDB. You know, it's like, hey, here's a little protein that's from, like, a mouse. And oh, it, you know, so does cute. mouse things. And you're like, okay, that's kind of cute. Kinda can and you can and, uh... also look up GIFs, too. <clears throat> so, like, on YouTube, like, you'll see, like, videos that people have made of proteins and, like, how they look when they're, like, functioning. That was oh, always, those are like, great. my favorite. Yeah, those, those are, are so, so great. Fun. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, proteins are cool. Uh, Proteins are cool. They're fun to look at. Uh, DNA, RNA, they're cool looking. They tend to have a few structures um, that you can look at, but proteins will look like anything. You can get proteins that really have any shape, size, maybe not size. There's no proteins that are big enough to see, but uh, there's, well, I don't know strictly how you define that. Your hair is made out of proteins all kind of linked together. It makes your hair do hair things. Um, <laughs> I hope there's a protein that looks like me somewhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to AlphaFold and be like, can you, uh, hey, make a protein that looks like Maya. <laughs> Ooh, that would be. Fun challenge. <laughs> that would be a fun 
waste of computer, massive waste <laughs> of computer resources. A you fun go, waste of AI. <laughs> I mean, what hey, else I mean, if I could ask, I could, have, I could ask it to make a picture of a duck in a party hat. I could probably ask it to figure mm. out the protein sequence that folds into our friends. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I feel like bitch. I feel like people have done something like this. I feel like it's out there. We should it, search the, for it. The, <laughs> the reverse of putting the structure, the sequence, to get a structure is hard. It's not like a thing I've heard of anyone doing successfully with like uh, function at least mm. without starting somewhere. But if you're not looking for function, if you're just looking for structure, if you're just looking for blah, 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 <laughs> maybe you can get it. I do think I that know. Amaya-shaped protein would probably not be the most useful thing as ATP synthase rotors or like... I disagree. <laughs> you don't know that. I'm just floating in. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's Amaya-shaped protein that cures cancer. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I doubt it. I knew I, I was really onto something. <laughs> <laughs> when you were born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just by a shape not natalie shape not sam no just, just specifically me <laughs> oh boy all right it's only monday folks uh we're recording this right before the uh at least right before i the the week before like the holidays that i will be celebrating but same. uh same it, it's uh it's probably gonna come out after that because frankly we're not gonna probably force people to first pickle to edit it and everything um so sorry in advance for the the, the belated episode but also i'm sure y'all are busy too so uh <laughs> and also just oh. want to say a little little sappy here but this is our second full year of doing monthly episodes really sticking <gasps> with it so i just want to say shout out to the listeners who have been here uh the new listeners the old listeners shout out to the interactome team i love you guys yeah. Thank you so much, literally everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> it's amazing. People actually listen to this. I know. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> oh, my, my lab right. was like, I listened to your podcast and I was like, oh. <laughs> Here, <don't>, please. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I've got a part where it's like, so uh, I have this science podcast. I'm like, wait, people ask. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I'll be terrified the day that somebody hears about us from the podcast hasn't happened yet like in the grocery store i know your voice oh, no. <laughs> i'll run i'm out of there yeah i don't know it's not gonna happen for a while probably yeah. but uh listeners if you want to make slash ruin our days share this episode tell your friends <laughs> um <laughs> keep doing that and maybe someday natalie will run out of a supermarket screaming <laughs> <laughs> all right bye everyone Bye. Bye, everyone. You know where to find uh, us. Hopefully. Uh, and if not, uh, we are some vari- variation of the Interactome or Interactome Media on your social media of choice. Um, and if even though we're not always super active on there, um, if you message us, we will be delighted and we'll probably reply. Um, so, anyway, hope uh, everyone has a good winter break, holidays, uh, whatever, uh, I guess we'll have had a good break holidays, whenever this comes out. Um, anyway, have fun, or I hope you had fun. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>